I once had a chance to go skydiving. I'm afraid of heights and being near the open door of an airplane, 14,000 feet in the air. Are you kidding me? I was terrified. But that's the thing about courage. You know, courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I felt fear right up until the time that I jumped and then soaring through the air at 100 miles an hour. You talk about a total rush. Now, one thing that helped me to have courage is that it was a tandem jump. I was literally attached to an instructor. And his nudge is what gave me the guts to take that flying leap of faith. And that is the key to having courage in life. In the most meaningful way, we are tethered to Jesus. Life is a tandem jump with him. Are you ready to take that leap of faith? Welcome to Living Courageously.
Well, there is so much truth to that song. Jesus really is making all things new in my life, in your life, and in our community. And I am so excited because we have a very special guest with us today. Carl Gardino is here, and he really is one of the key leaders in our community. He's the CEO of the Silicon Valley Leadership Group, and he has been working so hard at raising funds for equipment for our medical community as they battle this virus. Well, Carl, it's always good to see you, and thank you so much for being here, and thank you really for everything that you're doing in the community. And if you could just tell us a little bit about how it's going. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you, Pastor Ken. It is so wonderful to be at Cathedral of Faith, our home church for the Guardino family and our broader Christian family here in the region. It is so humbling and such a wonderful reminder when God allows us to play a small role in watering a seed that he has planted. And it has reminded me that when we water that seed, we had better come equipped with our own umbrella because <laughs> God is going to send the rain that turns that single seed into a beautiful garden. It's been that way for the Silicon Valley Leadership Group when just four weeks ago, with a very humble uh, gesture of a $1,000 contribution for the medical equipment and supplies that our hospitals need throughout Silicon Valley to keep our medical professionals safe, but also the patients they serve safe with the masks, gloves, respirators, ventilators, face shields, and other equipment that they need to do their life-saving work. Well, that $1,000 seed has turned into $5,600,000 of individual and employer contributions to this effort. And it's wonderful to see that we're saving lives and livelihoods by stepping up and believing in God's provision. Well, that's awesome, Carl. I never underestimate the power of a seed. You know, never underestimate the power of prayer. We have a heavenly father who hears our prayers and answers our prayers. And, and right now we want to take a moment and pray for our leaders. The Bible says in one place to pray for those who are in authority. And, and Carl, so much of what you do uh, involves interacting with the government. You have a unique understanding of the pressures they are under during this pandemic, would you lead us in prayer? Pastor Ken, I would be honored to do so. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy that as Christians, we're to step forward with prayers, petitions, supplications, and thanksgiving to lift up our leaders and those in authority, both in the public and private sector. So please join me as we bow our hearts and our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our leaders in the public sector. Thank you for San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo, who has personally raised more than $20 million through Silicon Valley Strong to help the most vulnerable in our communities who have lost their homes, their jobs, their health care, food security. We thank you for County Board President Cindy Chavez, who has such a heart and an action plan to lift up those who are most vulnerable in need throughout Santa Clara County. 
We thank you for our governor who is balancing in our state the need for public health while also our economic health for all of our families. We lift up our president, our Congress members, House and Senate, that you would grant them wisdom and grace as they work through this challenging time in a bipartisan way through a global pandemic that lifts up all of us. And finally, Father, we pray that we would all be leaders in our homes, in our jobs, and in our communities during and after this challenging time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, please continue to keep our leaders in prayer. And our team here is praying for you. And if you have a specific prayer request, don't hesitate. Give us a call. Reach out to us on social media. We'd love to pray for you. Remember, even though we are social distancing, you are not alone. We are here for you and we are better when we're together. Well, you might have recognized one of our very own church family from our Morgan Hill campus. Make it all the way through to the top 40 of American Idol this season. Bringing you the song Courage, here is Demi Ray. I'm walking up hills both way it hurts. Bury my heart here in this dirt. Hope it deceit, I hope it works. I need to grow where I can be Closer to light, closer to me I don't have to do this perfectly Bring it boys, bring it boys It's pouring on me, the rain it falls, rain it falls So in the seed of love and hope, love and hope yeah. We don't have to stay stuck in the wind Change. 
normally at this time of year, we'd be singing, take me out to the ball game and going to watch the A's or the Giants. A few years ago, the Giants had a great moment in their history when a player by the name of Travis Ishikawa hit a walk-off home run to put them into the World Series. Travis is a part of our Cathedral family, and he is currently coaching for the Giants down in Arizona. He joins us right now. Travis, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me on here. Uh, Travis, uh, the pandemic has turned everything upside down. How has spring training been different for you this year? It's definitely been, uh, it's been unique. It's been a struggle. Um, obviously, without being in baseball, you know, we're home all day. And, um, you know, the kids are home all day. You know, their school's been ended for the year, so they're doing everything remotely. And so now being their teacher and uh, has really learned, I've really learned a lot more about patience, uh, at least. Well, speaking of being on lockdown with the four kids that you have, I know your manager, he's single, and so he's locked down all by himself. Which do you think is more challenging? Because I'm biased, I'll say the kids. Um, obviously, like I just said, we, you know, just they know how to push your buttons. They know how to get, uh, <laughs> they know how to get under your skin. But at the same time, um, you know, my, my manager that I talked to, you know, quite a bit, he was telling me how he was, you know, the isolation was starting to get to him a little bit. And, and like any, I mean, with anything, not just with this, but anything we've ever gone through, if we've ever tried to go through it alone, I know me personally, every time I've tried to go through something alone, I've failed. Um, you know, we need to have that community. We need to have that relationship. We need, we need to have those mentors in our lives to, to help us to grow. And definitely isolation definitely is never, uh, never, never, never recommended by me, at least. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very difficult. That's why we have to try to do our best to still stay connected. Now, Travis, you have a tattoo on your forearm. You have massive forearms, so it's a massive tattoo. And the tattoo reads, delays are not denials. Why is that phrase so meaningful for you? All right, well, let me, let me show you the tattoo that Pastor Ken's talking about. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what he means about big farms. I guess I can just blame this on the uh, lack of being able to go to the gym. <laughs> um, I got the tattoo in 2014, uh, right at the end of the season, that I wanted to make sure that what was going to be on the, my body for the rest of my life was something impactful and meaningful to mm -hmm. me. And, and it was one that I've heard you say many times on Sundays, you know, preaching on uh, over there at Cathedral, and, and it's delays are not denials, and, and um, you know, I, I loved the concept of it, and I was able to tie it back to my 2014 season as well. I mean, as a lot of you know, I hit that home run in October, which has, I mean, easily the pinnacle of my sports career and my sports life, um, you know, all the way back from T-ball. Um, that's the moment we all, all kids dream about, uh, but for many of you that don't know, Three months earlier, I was in AAA. I was benched. Easily could say I was in one of my deepest valleys that I've ever been uh, in my sports career. And every valley I've ever been through, I've looked back, you know, whether it's been weeks, months, years. And, and at the time, when you're in the moment, it's the worst feeling in the world. But when you look back, you're like, man, I, I, not only did I get through it, but I became a better person. Or that, had a, that, that, that moment impacted me in a greater way than I could have ever imagined. So, um, so easy to say, but, but just realizing that, that God's got a plan for you. Um, and just because, you know, it's, you're struggling in that moment doesn't mean it's going to last forever. Well, that's, that's a great word of encouragement, Travis. Travis, uh, thanks so much for being here. Now, stay safe, stay strong. And you do have massive forearms because I've seen those forearms hit 300-yard drives on the golf course. 
Yeah, if only it helped my putting, then you'd be doing a little bit better, but yeah. Uh, Say hello to Rochelle and the kids. I will do that. Thank you. You too. Each week, we've been giving you an update on the massive need of those who are food insecure here in the area and how our Reaching Out Food program has been stepping up with our partners to try and meet that need. Not only are we distributing food right here on campus, but we're also delivering food to senior complexes throughout the area. Take a look at what's been happening. during the whole corona thing that we've really gotten the connection with, with reaching out and they've just stepped up and brought so much food. They were so overwhelmed and grateful. We had people in tears because they couldn't believe that somebody was doing this for them. It's a godsend, it really is. When you're in our situation of seniors, no transportation and no grocery stores, this is how we eat. We deliver groceries to almost a thousand seniors every single week. And if during this time you find yourself in need of help or you would like to help by volunteering or making a donation, you can get more information at reachingout.us. Any kind of help that you can give, we greatly appreciate it. Right now, I'm gonna throw it back to our worship team who's going to be bringing you the song, Holy Water. Thank you. 
God, your grace, we need it every day. Scripture says, my grace is sufficient for you. God wants to pour his grace in your life in this moment. In fact, most of the New Testament letters start and end with this same phrase, grace and peace to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what that means. God wants an ongoing work of his spirit in you to overflow you with everything you need for every situation. Grace for 2020, grace for coronavirus, grace for working at home, grace for not having a job, grace for having kids studying at home, grace to be single, grace to be married. God has all the grace you need in this moment. And one of the tendencies for us when we come to moments like this is to hold on, to grab hold and to desperately cling to whatever is in our hand. But the scripture also says this in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. You see, what happens is when we open our hands to give, then our hands are open to receive from God the grace He has for us in this moment. I want to invite you to join with me in giving in this moment. You can see at the bottom of the screen the number to text your giving to. Even though we aren't passing the basket like we normally do, sure can't wait till that can happen. I encourage those of you to bring your tithes to the Lord and give them to Him in this moment. You can give not only by texting, but by going to our app, our website, mail it to the church office, or drop it by. I ask those of you who are still working, this might be a good moment for you to dig a little deeper and give a little more generously, not just because it's needed, because it is, as we bless our community, 
But that's what love and obedience to the Lord looks like. May grace excel in your life as you excel in the grace of giving. I want to share with you before I pray about this beautiful mural mosaic of Pastor Kenny Foreman, our founding pastor. It was created by Pastor Kent Guardiola, the pastor of our Gilroy Cathedral of Faith campus. Hundreds of broken pieces of tile put together to form this beautiful mosaic. And the reason he chose this medium is one of Pastor Kenny's favorite songs was this, something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, God understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. That's what grace does. And just as these pieces have been put together to form this beautiful picture, God's forming a picture of the hope and the future and the grace he has for you. I want to speak that over you in blessing. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in every household. You know every need. For those who need work, Lord, amaze them at what you do in this season. For those who are working, give grace and give strength. We all need your grace. And as we excel in the grace of giving in this moment, let your blessings be poured out upon your people, that you are making something beautiful even out of the brokenness of this moment. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles and turn to Psalm 23. As Pastor Ken opens the word, the Lord is my shepherd, he restores my soul. There was one leader, when he would be counseling someone who was feeling overwhelmed, he would write them out a prescription. Only it wasn't a prescription for medication. It was a prescription for the 23rd Psalm. He said to take the 23rd Psalm every day for seven days, five times a day. Read it, meditate on it, pray it. And I want to borrow slash steal that idea and write you a prescription to take the 23rd Psalm every day this week, chew over it again and again and again, like a piece of gum. When you put a piece of gum in your mouth and you chew it over and over, you get into the flavor and the flavor gets into you. What if we did that with the words of the 23rd Psalm, where you got into the flavor of it and the flavor that got into your mind and into your heart. Norman Vincent Peale once said, you change your thoughts and you can change your world. The psalmist said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If we will take the words of the 23rd Psalm and chew over them again and again and again. It starts out this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. 
How about if we chew on that for just a few moments? He refreshes my soul. He revives my soul. He restores my soul. When I hear the word restore, my mind drifts to the car show that we have every year at the Cathedral of Faith. It is a way that we reach out to the community and it helps us to provide toys for our giveaway over the holidays. And this car show, when I walk down the aisles, well, it takes me down memory lane. When I was a teenager, I had a 69 Firebird. And when I walk around all these old cars, it's amazing to see what these owners have done. They've taken these beat up, broken down cars. And when they're done with them, it looks like they're right off the showroom floor. And that's the same kind of thing that the shepherd does. He takes our beat up, broken down souls. And when he's done with them, it looks like it's right off the showroom floor. In one place, Jesus said, behold, I am making all things new. That is what Jesus, the good shepherd does. He takes our beat up, broken down souls and he restores them. Think about the different ways our soul gets dented. First of all, there is the guilt that damages our soul. Well, we've been washing our hands a lot lately. In fact, we have a sign in one of our bathrooms that read, wash your hands and say your prayers because germs and Jesus are everywhere. And we've been washing our hands and it brought me back to a study that was done once. It had to do with people washing their hands. There were two groups of people. And the first group, in the morning, they told them to spend some time thinking about all of the bad things they had done in their past. And then in the afternoon, they asked them if they needed to go wash their hands. And they did the same thing with the second group. They, in the morning, they didn't ask them to think about the bad things that they had done in the past. And in the afternoon, they asked them if they needed to wash their hands. And then they looked at the results and here's what the fa they found. The people who thought about all of those bad things, all of their dirt, they were twice as likely to go wash their hands as the other group. It seems like being in touch with our own dirt, with our own sin, our own guilt, and shame, how do we get rid of it? One man in the Bible, he talked about his guilt this way. He said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that is too heavy to bear. Too heavy to bear. With all of that guilt and shame weighing us down, how do we get rid of the dirt? How do we wash it away? Well, there are all kinds of ways people try to deal with their guilt. 
Sometimes we compare ourselves to others. Well, at least I'm not as bad as them. Other times we point the finger at others. It's not my fault, it's their fault. Other times we, we just beat up ourselves, crucify ourselves. There are all kinds of things that we try. The list goes on and on. But there really is only one way that you can truly get rid of that dirt and wash away the shame and the guilt that taints your soul. And that is by bringing your sin to Jesus and asking for God's forgiveness. Psalm 32 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. What joy when you bring your sin to him and he restores your soul. What joy in that moment. A while back, I read a book by John Grisham called The Testament. Now, most of John Grisham's books involved an attorney somewhere in there. And this book is the same way. There's an attorney who is very much in touch with his own dirt. And he's buckling under the shame and the guilt of his sin. But he meets a missionary. And at one point in the book, that missionary leads him in a prayer of asking God for his forgiveness. And the attorney after the prayer feels different. Here's how the book describes that moment. That there was an odd sensation as his burden seemed to be lifted. His shoulders seemed lighter, his head clear, and his soul was less troubled. And I thought, what a great picture of the joy that when we bring our dirt to God, well, our burdens are lifted, our shoulders are lighter, our heads are clearer, and our soul is less troubled. What joy he restores our soul. There are all kinds of things that damage the soul. Sometimes it's our guilt. Other times it's grief that damages our soul. Now, my wife and I, we're dog people. If you're a cat person, I respect you. I don't understand you, but I do respect you. My wife and I were big time dog people. And you can see a picture of one of our dogs. Uh, she's all dressed up in this picture it's a dog that we used to have, a boxer. We got her when she was just a puppy. And we had her for several years, but then she came down with a bad case of cancer. And so I had to put her in the car, take her down to the Humane Society. And when I was at the door getting ready to drop her off, she looked up at me. Her name was Cleo. Cleo looked up at me and I looked back at her and I just started to cry 
like a baby. It's a good thing I had sunglasses on. I was crying like a baby, a big bad Raider fan like me, crying like a baby. Why was that? Psychologists say that anytime we feel loss, we feel grief. It may be the loss of a dog or the loss of a job or the loss of a marriage or the loss of a loved one. But anytime we feel loss, we feel grief and grief has a way of marking our souls. One man who felt grief, he said, I am in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying and my whole being is tired from grief. My whole being. When the grief is so deep that you wonder, will I ever get over it? With the help of the shepherd, you can get through it. You may never get over it, but you can get through it. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61, he will provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a garment of despair. That's what our shepherd can do. You may never get over it, but you can get through it. When it comes to grieving, there's five stages of grief. There's denial and there's anger and there's bargaining and there's depression. And finally, there is acceptance. And sometimes what happens is we get stuck in one of those stages. And we go round and round in that stage and we're stuck and it seems like we'll never get out. But if we look to the shepherd, he can help us to move forward. We may never move on, but he can help us move forward all the way to the place of acceptance. That's what happened to the writer of the 23rd Psalm. He once lost a newborn child. When the child was still alive, boy, he prayed and he fasted and he wept. He wanted so badly for the child to get well. But we live in a broken world and life doesn't always go according to what we want. And the child died. The Bible says when the child died, David got up and he cleaned up himself and he went to the tabernacle to worship. And when his servants asked him what was going on, Look at what David said. While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. But now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Acceptance. We may never move on, but with the shepherd, we can move forward. Are you in pain today? 
If you are, run to the shepherd. Don't run away from the shepherd. Now is, the not time, now is not the time to lose your faith. Now is the time to, to use your faith. Run to the shepherd and worship him. The Bible says that he is the one who heals the brokenhearted, and he does. The shepherd heals every hurt. He dries every tear. And he can even help us to find joy again. To find joy again. Psalm 30 reads this way. It says, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Is it nighttime in your soul? Is it? This can be the start of a new dawn and a new day. Ask the shepherd to wake you up inside so that you can start to laugh again and love again and live again. He really does. He restores my soul right off the showroom floor. That brings us to the third thing that can damage the soul. And that is the grudges we hold on to. I saw one minion and he said, I don't hold grudges. I just remember things for a very long time. Anybody identify with that? I heard about these two boys who were fighting over dinner and mom pulled them aside and said, look, before you go to bed, you are going to forgive each other. And one little boy said, okay, I'll forgive him tonight. But when I wake up in the morning, he better watch out. When we carry a grudge, you know what it does. It damages the soul. In Job chapter 5, we read, to worry yourself to death with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. And more and more studies are showing how foolish it is. The Mercury News once ran an article on the benefits of forgiveness. And part of the article read this way. Benefits including less stress, less anxiety, and less depression have been widely reported by researchers. In other words, you do your soul a favor. You get rid of negative emotions and make room for positive emotions when you give up your grudges and you choose to forgive. When you forgive, you don't excuse what's wrong or ignore what's wrong. What they did was wrong, and that's why it needs to be forgiven. Instead, you say to yourself, I know what they did was wrong, but I refuse to let it poison my soul, and I'm giving up my right to strike back. Hello, wait a second. Giving up my right to strike back? When someone strikes me, I want to strike them back. I feel a little bit like, well, this dog here in the picture, he says, I'm plotting revenge. You will not expect it. You hit me and I hit you back. That's my natural instinct. 
But when I make a decision to take my right to strike back and I lay it down at the cross, I give it over to God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of that. And if I take my right to strike back and I hand it over to God and I trust that at the end of the day, he will be the one to make things right. If I'm holding on to a grudge, it is holding on to me. Is there a grudge that you need to let go of? As long as you hold on to that grudge, it's holding on to you. It's holding on to your thoughts. It's holding on to your emotions. 40 years from now, it will still be holding on to you because time doesn't heal all wounds. Only Jesus does. But if we come to him and we say, Jesus, this is hard, but I'm choosing to forgive. I'm letting go of my right to strike back. When you let go of it, it starts to let go of you. It gives Jesus room to restore the soul. My wife is the healthiest, strongest, most courageous person that I know. If you met her today, you would have no idea of the kind of painful past that she's had. But as you listen to how the shepherd helped her overcome her past, let faith begin to build in your heart that Jesus can restore your soul. I'm the oldest of three. And uh, when I was nine, my parents divorced. And uh, around that same time, um, my mom learned that her mom had terminal cancer. And so I'm originally from Florida, but at that time, Mom relocated us to Kentucky to be near my grandma. We hadn't been living there all that long when, uh, you know, like there are a lot of times there were custody issues. You know, the judge decided to ask the three of us who we wanted to live with. So he pulled the three of us alone into his chamber and, you know, asked a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a five-year-old mm. did they want to live with their mom or dad. And, you know, so that was, that was pretty... Uh, traumatic. Things were financially very tight and so I know what it's like to not have any groceries in the house. One time you know things were uh, there were no groceries in the house and uh, just out of the blue a lady from church brought over a whole bunch of groceries. And it, you know it's like is it Mother Teresa or who said it? You never know that God's all you need until God's all you have people that grow up, um, daughters that grow up without a dad in the home, a lot of times they have identity issues and they struggle with uh, deep-seated insecurity, uh, deep trust issues, and yet you've always seemed pretty grounded. Um, what's been the secret for you? Having a godly mother who made it very clear to the three of us that yes, she was divorced, but that she chose to look at her heavenly father as her spouse. God is a father to the fatherless. We didn't have a dad in the picture every day. And so, she, you know, she made it very clear that that's who we're to look to and that he was going to fill in the gaps. And so when you grow up with that, 
you know, I know who I am. I know whose I am. As I've watched you over the years, you've never let bitterness or resentment or hatred get attached to your soul. And yet I know forgiveness is, is not always easy. Can you describe what that journey has been like for you? When you talk about bitterness or stuff like that, it's um, that's something I have say over. That's something I have control over. And I'm not going to give up that control. Um, I do not want to be a slave to something like that. And then you go through a situation and you realize there's still pain there about something. And I've tried to greet them as opportunities and unpeel another layer of that onion and just continue to walk in forgiveness because um, I, I won't be a slave. Honey, if you were to share uh, one word of encouragement to people who have uh, been dealing with brokenness in the past, what would that be? For me, I, th I think I've got a little bit of a stubborn streak. Um, and you can find yourself being stubborn and kind of parking at your pain. Or you can learn who God says you are and what he's gonna provide for you. Um, and park your stubbornness there. Park your stubbornness at your real identity. Park your stubbornness not somewhere that's going to be self-destructive to you and painful to the people around you. Um, park your stubbornness at truth. What God did for my wife, God can do for you. He really can restore our soul. There's an old story about Henry Ford and an engineering genius named Charlie Steinmetz. Ford hired Charlie to come and help him build his factories. Now at some point, the generator stopped working and the repairman on staff couldn't fix it. So Ford called his old buddy Charlie to come over and see if he could figure things out. Well, Charlie comes over and he tinkers around a little bit, gets the factory up and running again. And Ford receives a bill that says $10,000. Ford sends a note to Charlie and says, that seems a little steep for just tinkering around. And Steinmetz sends a note back to Henry Ford and it reads for tinkering around $10 for knowing where to tinker $9,990. God knows where to tinker in the most profound way. God can restore the deepest parts of the soul. Have you ever surrendered your soul to God? I invite you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I confess you as my Lord and I surrender my soul to you. Restore my soul, amen. Right now, we want to go to New York where DeAndre Brackensick is sequestered at home. But even in that moment, God has a way of raising us up. When I am down on my soul, so weary, 
When trouble comes and my heart burden be, then I am still and wait here in the silence until you come and sit a while with me. Well, thanks again for letting us come into your home. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, as we continue looking at how to keep your song during testing times. Now, next week, we'll have special music from singer and actress Naya Damison, as well as an interview with former WNBA star Ruthie Bolton. May God continue to make you a target of his favor. Stay safe, stay strong, and remember, every storm has a limited lifespan and the sun is going to shine again. What an honor it is to have my friend, Pastor Herman Hamilton, share today's benediction. Thank you, Pastor Kenny, for that incredibly encouraging word and for the privilege of my joining you guys today. Let's conclude our time in prayer. God, I ask that as we work through this very challenging time that you would be light in the darkness. And for each and every person listening to me, would you comfort the hurting and heal the sick and inspire fresh hope and brand new possibilities for those who are feeling as though their lives are full of despair? And God, throw a thick blanket of grace around us all and bring us through and out on the other side. But when we emerge, help us to be better versions of ourselves. Bless us to be closer to the dream you have for each of us. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Cathedral of Faith, what's up? It's The Wrap, and we are back. My name is Vaughn, this is Irene, these are pastors 
from Mel and Aurora. We're so grateful to be with you. We just had an amazing service yet again with Pastor Ken. And we're just going to talk about really quickly about some things that stuck out. And during this time, why don't you tell us what stuck out to you in the sermon? Just whether it's a phrase, a sermon, a nugget of wisdom, share it with us because we'd like to learn from you as well. And Pastor Ramel, what stuck out to you today? My shepherd, taking that experience of a shepherd and it's he's mine mm. that he he's responsible for the herd but he's shaping the herd one person at a time mm. he's shaping the herd that's good he's a shepherd he's wow. my shepherd yeah that's good that's good you know our son jeremiah before he goes to bed he goes uh he goes to our bedroom and say Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And I will always say, son, give me a hug. I don't even remember the last time you gave me a hug. Uh, not knowing that, you know, not boy, counting though. that yeah. he boy. gave me a hug that morning. I gave him a hug that afternoon, and now I want a hug. Yeah. I can't get enough of him. Yeah. But before Jeremiah come to, before we conceived Jeremiah, mm-hmm. I had a really painful miscarriage. And from that grieving, that pain, I realized mm-hmm. the, the necessity to seek and stay in God's presence. Mm. And what does that mean? By reading his word, by meditating his word, mm. by worshiping, yeah. by praying. That's right. Because yeah. in God's presence, that is where he speaks to us. That yeah. is where he heals us. Right. That is yeah. where he comforts yeah. us. And yeah. that is where he restore and refresh wow. my soul. That's and sure. our God is so awesome because he doesn't stop there. He right. chases us with his goodness, yeah. mercy, right. and love. That so, is our God. Amen Absolutely. to that. Amen I love that. how Pastor Ken said, do yourself a favor and let the shepherd restore you. Mm-hmm. And I thought about how all the different things he mentioned, um, guilt and pain and loss, if we hold on to it, it's such a heavy burden. And I think about it, too, that it affects our thinking. And so when he said that scripture, as a man thinketh, so is he. So if you want to change your world, change how you think. And i just thinking about me. It's like I uh, have the opportunity that, as he said, time doesn't heal, but, but Jesus does. So God, for me, it was like, yes, I want that. I have to make that conscious decision in every situation to be like, the good shepherd restore my soul. That's right. Yeah, the shepherd. That's right. Um, how about you give us a raised hand out there if God has restored your soul? Oh, how right. about that? Like um, as we give God praise in this moment. And I tell you, something, that, the, the phrase that really stuck out to me when it, is when um, the quote of that you may not get over this, but you will get through it. And I, I think, man, that just hits me, and I'm sure it hits many of you out there, and I know it hits us right here. There's so much pain in life, man, whether it be the loss of a loved one, whether it be the loss of a dream, whether it be uh, the loss of a job or a great opportunity or a massive mistake. There is grief, there's loss, and there's pain with that. And sometimes those memories will never leave you. You'll never forget that love when you lost. You'll never forget that time with them, but you will get through it. And I think that that's really important that as we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear nothing because he's with us. It didn't say he'll take the valley away from us, but we will get through the valley. So 
I just felt that was something powerful that stuck out to me. Absolutely. And I love how he said prescription, like to, yeah. to take That's that great. and like, mm -hmm. you know, for our kids to say it and for us to say, okay, you know what I need today? I need to speak That's this good. so yeah. that my heart can hear it and my mind can hear That's it. Right. You know, and we have Zion. Zion say, we have a couple of scriptures that he says in the morning and just routine. Like mm -hmm. we're responsible for building habits in yeah. our life and what we're responsible for what we hear right. as well. Right. Yeah. Being proactive and not reactive to That's the right. circumstance. Absolutely. Right. Talk about. Tell you something about that well, with, and, with, and, in relation to fitness, whatever. I, I think the whole perspectives yeah. uh, gives us this idea of the verse and, and what it's meant to do. It's meant to give us comfort. Yeah. I mean, it's, this verse, it's used in a lot of comforting ways, but ultimately it's meant to give you confidence mm. because he is my shepherd. He gives you the confidence yeah. to keep going no matter what, even if I don't get over it, mm. right? If you know, I don't get over it, God's still with you. God's still with you, and he'll heal, and he'll restore. He'll do all of these things. Uh, and if, if we just stick with the Somebody shepherd. say amen to that. <laughs> Type in amen. Get a raised hand. And before amen. we head out, we want to declare a scripture Absolutely. over you guys and over us and our so, church. Yes. One of the scriptures that Pastor Ken said was Isaiah 61. And I pray that you would read over it this week. And it says that um, he has come to heal the brokenhearted, and he has come to set the captives free. That speaks to me in, every, in so many ways, on the inside, on the outside. And he has come to comfort all who mourn. Yes. And he has come to give beauty for ashes. Yes. And he has come to give oil for mourning and also a garment of praise for despair. Yes. May that word be true in every single one of our lives. Yeah. Amen and amen. amen. May that amen, word be amen. with you, be with you, and be Yo. with you. Yo. We love you guys. Yo. Cathedral of Faith, yeah. it's a wrap. I can do anything, I can do all things, cause it's you who gives me strength, nothing is impossible.